One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is episode 17 of the John Coon Podcast, and I just spilled my coffee all over the place. Are we going to keep going with the show? I don't think so. <laughs> and it's all on my pants. No, we should keep going. You do the show for uh, about a minute while I go get a towel. This will be fun. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> so Jason just took his entire coffee. Can I take my pants off? <laughs> the entire co- it's warm enough in here for you to take your pants off. But I don't know if I want him to take his pants off. But he has currently left the room. And to tell you this story, Jason... Fills his coffee mug, which is a 16-ounce coffee mug, up with his girl's pictures all over the outside. And every time we do this show, he fills his coffee mug up halfway with coffee, the other half with vanilla creamer. (laughs) Instantly, at the moment he starts the show, he tips his coffee forward onto himself so that there is coffee all over the table. I don't think this is going to be enough paper towel, do you? No. All over the table, the floor, and his sweatpants. Good thing he got dressed up for the show today. And onto my phone. It's a good thing it's one of those that are supposed to be uh, coffee and water resistant. This will clean right up. Terrible I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're concerned about here. I'm not really concerned. Like eight or ten towels. Somehow, 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 I managed to stay dry when every other inch of this so room. So the most impressive thing. While I go to get more, the entire towel, room is, is how is, quickly you move. You see, I told this you, is why you were a professional cat-like athlete. Like reflexes, and I didn't run fast, but I was quick. I, was oh, quick. I mean, you you were like a jackrabbit. It was unbelievable. All right, I got to go get more paper towel. Keep talking. What do you want to talk about today? Uh, well, I say we this go. This may be the best episode the, ever. Yeah, is this it's the season finale. No, we got we, we got to recap the Super Bowl and then talk about free agency next week. So can we'll, I go to my kids' school we'll go with I think you can. coffee all over well, my pants? Well, can what I you're do that? what you're gonna do is you're gonna have a a really pungent smell because since half your coffee mug is that French vanilla creamer, oh, it now it now here. smells like French vanilla creamer. It smells great in the East Wing of Lambeau Field. So. Everybody that comes through the media offices today is going to get that nice smell of French vanilla creamer. And on top of that, I can't function without, as you can see, I can't function without drinking coffee. I spill it all over the place. Now, at some point, I've got to make more and actually drink it, but I've got more to clean up. So here's my first question for you. Okay. Okay. Now, obviously, this would be, if I embarrassed easily... This would be an embarrassing moment. But when you, you you obviously played for 13 years in the NFL, are there ever times where your coaches, not that I'm like the, you're the star of the show, but where coaches have embarrassed themselves with either how they went about, uh, you know, one of my favorites is Tausch telling us the story about how Mike McCarthy came in and told everyone that their plan was to win the world's championship. And all the guys would give McCarthy a hard time about that because it's world championship. And he's like, are we playing Neptune? Are we playing Pluto? And he razzed him about that for as long as Tausch played for McCarthy. Are there any examples that you can think of as I continue to clean up the coffee of, like, 
embarrassing moments either with teammates or coaches that you just – because I'm never going to live this down. Like, we do no, this, this next is, this week, is, and you're going to be like, hey, fantastic. be careful. This yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> I just – I still can't get over it. All right, I'm going to get more paper the coffee towel. tipped over. But more, more importantly than, than how embarrassing this coffee spill incident is, yeah, every coach through the course of – of a season puts his foot in his mouth over a dozen to two dozen times. It's just between the, the monotony of training camp and post practice meetings when guys can hardly keep their eyes open and um, the dog days of OTAs when, you know, it's, it's spring, it's, it's summer guys, you know, have one foot in the parking lot, getting ready to go. The coaches feel the same way too. Yeah. They accidentally make some mistakes and, and say some things that, that they regret. Um, James Campen was famous for it. He, he has a million lines that he has said over the years that I just, uh, thought was epic. Half of the things you can't say because it's got too much, uh, vulgarity in it. Although I guess we could on a podcast. What are the rules? We've never really pushed the envelope on that. Well, do you want to? I mean, I don't. Okay. Then, I know, you know your won't. kids like to listen. Well, then we won't. You know, if, if we, we don't have to. I almost to. uttered, uh, some vulgarities <laughs> when that coffee was. I've never seen Jason Wildey mad. In fact, that, you know, the, that's a, that's one of the nicest things you've ever said. I can tell when. When you get a little angst in how somebody may have talked to you or treated you or something like that, but you don't even, you, you, it's very gentle. It's, it's a, it's kind of a, yeah, I didn't really like that kind of tone. And, and when that coffee spilled was the first time I saw a little bit of anger oh, in your bad. eyes, oh, yeah. just a little bit. I've never seen it before. It was fantastic. I'm not, I'm not proud. And the funny thing is, is my first reaction was, all right, well, we got to stop recording. But no way, man. This was this is like gold material. You were like, well, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, I figured, you know, I'll spill my coffee all over the place, and I'll give us something to talk about. By the way, sometimes it pays off to be a little OCD. I have disinfecting wipes, so I can clean this up. So the next person to use the WTMJ. Studio well, the next will one will be, be me because nobody will come see? in here now that the uh, no, nobody will be in here now that the season's done. It'll just be me coming in here doing subs we, uh... subs of the week or subs of the day. And uh, I mean, I'm just going to have to keep that door open to to let this thing air out for a couple hours. And I think it smells amazing. Like people <laughs> like the smell of coffee. I don't know if they like the not smell the of creamer. creamer. It's the French vanilla cream. I don't even put creamer in my coffee. Yeah, well, you're a real man, and I think we've probably established that during our time together uh, on the podcast as well. All right, so James Campen. Well, let me say one more thing about the the most dangerous thing about you spilling the coffee in here is I don't know if you noticed how close you got to actually just turning, yeah, just blowing the Comrex (laughs) and the wall in half because if you got any more to the left there. It's oh, all yeah. over the oh, digital. It's, a problem. it's all over the surge protector, and we have I, we would have short circuited. I bet you the whole east side of Lambeau Field in the stadium would have went down, and we'd have had some questions to answer. Yeah, and so instead, my biggest concern is: can I go to my kid's school because I think covered in because yeah, and you're fine. Just I mean, I, <laughs> people I'm think pretty, you're a loser I'm, anyway. I'm pretty what does sure it your standards are already set in there, but. <laughs> I think people 
probably listen to this and think we're in some fancy studio with glass and a producer behind the back and um you know sitting on real fancy chairs with these really nice microphones You're sitting on the lowest chair in america i don't think people understand i'm on a folding chair that should be at a church lunch buffet and we're in probably a 15 square foot brick square right oh yeah so, with, I mean, a, with an exterior wall that makes it about 12 degrees in here when you don't leave the the heater on but i had the space heater turned on so it was nice and warm in here and now we're cozy. I think we're finally ready to settle into the show. You've, he sat back down. He's wheeled up to Look the at, microphone. See, you're just you're just auditioning for if Wayne Larravee retires, so you can become a play-by-play. -play I, I I really think he's ready. To... And look at this. I, look at how much coffee I've got left. In there. I've got like one sip. Jason still. Wildy is under center. <laughs> he looks to his left, looks to his right, sees that he left his headset on the other table. He's going to put them I on don't even right need now. The Who's he's... talking to me besides you? <laughs> That's how I got in trouble. I was adjusting the headset, and the next thing I knew, off went the coffee. So this is not a Pro Bowl appearance by me. It's okay. Let's get into the show now. All right. So this, this, uh, I would. You're a three-time Pro Bowler. This would uh, not win me any awards in the radio department that I'm spilling coffee all over the place. By the way, I'm going to really enjoy this one sip that I have left in my cup. Um, did you watch the Pro Bowl? I watched a, li a little bit of it, just a very little bit of it. I was I was amassed that day with with what happened. There was bigger news that day, and it and it kind of took took me over. So I I, I I left the Pro Bowl. I know there was some coverage uh, during the Pro Bowl of it, but um, obviously the the news of Kobe Bryant and and his passing with the helicopter and the eight other um, people on that on that helicopter, and I, I just I came in. Um, from outside, I was doing a little work outside, and I came in, and I read it on my phone, and it was one of those deals. You know, you you start reading down your list of whatever's on your homepage, and sure. you, know, you got this headline, this text, this headline, this missed call, this headline, because I was going for a little while, and I literally read the headline and kept on going, and I got to the bottom. And I was like, wait, what did that top headline say? Right. And I read it a second time, and it said Kobe Bryant in a helicopter crash passed away, and I. I had to read it a third time because it didn't make sense. Kobe Bryant and helicopter crash? No way. This has got to be. And it took to the third time, and I was taken back. I was. I, I was actually, for a moment, I. It was like time stood still, and I didn't know what the heck was going on. Right. When you when the news kind of settled in, and you realized, excellent work, by the way. Very cautious with your beverage. We couldn't afford two spills in one show. Um, when the news kind of settled in and you realized it was accurate and true, what were your like? For me, I didn't, I didn't follow. I've never followed the NBA closely. You know, I covered some Bucks games where Kobe played in them, and I probably asked him a question or two in post game. But it wasn't like I dealt with them on a regular basis, like I did with you or Rogers or all the guys that I've covered here. And then as I started to read more about him in his post basketball life. And the commitment he had made in terms of being a father to his four daughters. And you have daughters, and I have daughters, and Girl Dad was trending on Twitter for a while there. Um, that was where it really hit me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, oh my gosh, we've lost this iconic basketball player. It was, you know, I was really intrigued, after, especially after he won an Oscar for that short animated yep. film, Dear Basketball, that I started to wonder what is. What is his second act going to look like? And that, I feel like, is what 
I'm struggling with with him is we've been robbed of that second act, whatever that was going to consist of, and then and he, it looked like it looked like at the beginning of this second act, it was going to be such a promising second career, right. and and how he was going to go about being a dad, being an influence in community, and and. And just being an all-around good per it, it was just so promising. It was off to such a tremendous start. And you're right, we were robbed of it. I think with Kobe Bryant, what really struck me so so deeply, so hard, is there are there are famous athletes that pass away, and Bart Starr did just last year. And, and I met Bart a couple times, and I never met Kobe Bryant in my life. But Kobe Bryant actually struck me a little deeper even though I had had met Bart and liked Bart, but Kobe Bryant for me was a guy that I grew up following. I grew up very intently following. First of all, he he played at Lower Marion High School in Philadelphia, which was 90 miles away from where I grew up, and he was big news, obviously. So when he's coming out, he's a big new guy, big news guy that that we're all looking at as high school athletes ourselves. Because I was in high school at the time, and we're following him getting drafted in the first round and then traded to L.A. and you know going into the NBA as a rookie and being compared to Jordan right away and and competing, going in that draft class with Iverson and Iverson was such a big name, and I followed Kobe the whole way through because he was a guy who grew up close to me, right. so I knew of him, and he's a Laker now, so you follow him, and I'm following him, and. I follow his entire 20-year NBA career. So this is a guy, and this is probably the first celebrity athlete death to me that I got to see the entirety of his career, a tremendous career, and see it finish, and then just a few short years after his passing. So to me, that was... It was emotional. It was close to home. It was tragic because it's closer to home when you follow the guy's entire career. You know every everything about him, and right. you know. And, and but I didn't know everything about him. What I knew about him was just how hard his work ethic was. He was a cold-hearted killer on the court. He was the biggest competitor. He didn't take any games off. He didn't miss games because of injury. And and those were things that I loved about him. And and he and he also grew my attention because. When he first got into the league, he was being compared to Michael Jordan. Well, Michael Jordan at the time was everybody's athlete. He wasn't right. just their basketball player. He was their athlete. And here's this guy coming in, going to take the title away from the guy that I like. But yet, I'm torn because he's a close guy. So so there's a lot of mixed emotions here. And then and then Kobe, by the time he was done, he, he kind of won me over. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I didn't doubt you because I wanted to root for you. But you were against MJ, who was my guy, who I loved. And... And yet you won me over by the end, and and I loved everything about his competitive nature on the court. So it was, it did, it it, it kind of hit me more than I ever could have imagined. And it's interesting because I think that was the case for a lot of people. Like they they didn't know him, and and I'm not one of those people either that when someone famous dies, you know, oh he passed away. You know, I, I really liked him as an actor or whatever else, but I'm not, you know. I'm not broken up about it. It's not like losing a family member. And while this wasn't either, it was somewhere closer on the spectrum to feeling that strong of an emotion than it normally is for someone that I wasn't friends with that I didn't have a connection to. So so, so I'm just speaking the emotions that I have within the first 30 minutes of this. And then you 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 said it perfectly. Social media and the Internet and television, everything just 
almost broke down and went all Kobe, right. which was am- amazing because you got to learn so much more about him and intimate stuff. You got to see him playing basketball with his daughter, which there were clips of that before and him coaching the team and, and things of that nature, but you really got to see it now. And and you just, he, to who would have ever thought that the hashtag girl dad would have ever been a thing right. and it came out because of this. And it was an amazing emotional thing for me to be able to post a picture of me with my two girls. And, and that, that's like a little sunlight that gets shined out of this tragic event and it's it's kind of like you know that's fitting because that was kobe and this is the sunlight that we get out of such such a sad event so and and the credit goes to ellie duncan of espn who's a sports center anchor who shared her story and it goes to the one time she met kobe bryant was when she was pregnant with her daughter and they were at an event and and he, uh, this sounds like this is who he was, where he would ask lots of questions and really cared about the people he was talking to. And he told her how excited he was for her and her husband that he was going to get to be a, there's nothing better than having girls, he said. Now, I'm sure parents of boys would say there's nothing better than that, yeah. too. And some people are blessed to have both. You and I both are in the situation, though, where we both have two girls. Mm-hmm. And for me, watching, first of all, you know, what struck me was, Yes, he's taking a helicopter instead of driving in the family vehicle, but he's doing something that you and I do, right? Taking our kids to whatever yeah. their activity is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so that struck me, one. And then, two, how all in he was. And there was a quote in an L.A. Times column by Arash Markazi that really struck me was, you know, he was asked um, if he was going to the Lakers opener this past October. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not going. Well, why? Well, if I go up to Staples Center, that's one fewer night I have with my kids. Mm-hmm. And that was his answer. And he said, look, I, I, I want the times that I have to be away from them to be times where I absolutely have to be away from them. Mm-hmm. And, and as someone who travels with the Packers for the radio now and having traveled, obviously, during my career and your career as a player, you do miss things because you're gone. Yeah. And you don't want to do – you want to miss as little as you can. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that was what about him and kind of his legacy resonated. The other thing I would say, and, and this is something that, you know, while I didn't exactly show my athletic prowess with spilling all over, uh, you did with your leap out of the way of all the flying coffee, is, you know, look, your, your daughters are going to have, at least to some degree, um, some terrifically athletic genes. Their dad was a professional athlete. My daughters. I don't know where Paula. they. Can, I don't know where they're going to go with the football talent. <laughs> I mean, maybe they'll play. I don't know. Paula was a very, very good athlete and a great gymnast, and and I was not as bad as I appear. Um, certainly not to your level, but gymnast. She was. Yeah, she was. No. No. I oh, yeah, yeah. You should see me on the Iron Cross. Um, but he was also a huge proponent of women's sports, and so here's a guy that in 2003 is accused of sexual assault ends up having four daughters, and is now like a champion of women's causes when it comes to athletics. And to me, that was the other thing, because as you well know, and as you will see with your girls as they get older, you know, one of my first experiences with our youngest, Sydney, playing soccer was the soccer academy that she was at put her with all the boys because she was apparently gifted. Again, not for me, probably. But 
the first time she steps on the field with all these boys, two boys come up to her and say, you're on the wrong field. This is for boys, not girls. Go over there. And one of my proudest parenting moments was when she ran the boy over that said that and scored a goal on him. And I was like, okay, that's my girl. <laughs> but what I'm, but it's true. Like That is something that, as girl dads, is going to be something that we want to see evolve further, mm-hmm. that those opportunities continue to grow for girls in athletics. Because we just had an NBA player who made a comment, I believe, about um, another NBA player who, and he used, you know, his game is woman-like. I mean, that bothers me yeah. as a parent of a daughter. And it was pure. It was genuine. All these, all these adjectives that were given about Kobe, they were, they were pure of nature. When you, when you hear the stories that are coming out now, the reason we didn't hear him before is because he didn't take a PR tour. Right. In the age of social media and, and public appearance, he didn't choose to flaunt all the great things he was doing. Right. I, th- there was a story that came out about a children's hospital when he was coming in, and I can't remember the visiting city he was going to play at, but they there was a, a, a terminally ill kid, and, and they were trying to get you know an, just an autograph from, from Kobe Bryant when he came to town for this, and, and Kobe said, listen, I don't want any press. I don't want any cameras. I will I will take a car and sneak in the back door right. and I will come visit the kid. You tell me where he is. And he spent over an hour with them. They were shooting basketballs at the mini hoop and and the family just they, they just raved about the the last true pure great moment for their child who passed away shortly after and how much that meant to him. And the fact that Kobe didn't want that he didn't want it out there. He right. just wanted to do it because he was a good guy. Right. And the story was told. I think it was Phoenix. I think they were playing the Suns, maybe. And the the story was told after his death. Like I, no one had ever really heard it other than people that. And that's were what. Part that, of it. And, and that to me is what proves it was genuine. Right. Because he he, he could have easily have, have done the PR makeup and all that other good jazz to really right. help have build a photographer a, there help, while he's shooting help, baskets. Help build an image. But man, what a. What just a tremendous guy that that were robbed of, of like you said, a second act, and 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 we're only going to continue to find out greater things about him. So uh, one last thing on him, uh, as I continue to marinate in my spilled coffee, um, you, 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 we started talking. We this started with asking you about the Pro Bowl, and in the Pro Bowl, two Packers players were central to. A couple of Kobe tributes, mm-hmm. uh, Devonte Adams flashing the two and the four after he scored a touchdown, and uh, Zadarius Smith being the ringleader of the kind of Kobe mimicking yeah. sack dance that the entire NFC defense did. Um, what I thought was also interesting for athletes of slightly younger age than you, even though you were in high school when Kobe was coming into the NBA, was how instrumental he had been in inspiring so many of today's athletes, Devontae among them, who was a basketball player for much of his youth, um, in terms of the idea of being one of the all-time greats and yet still working your ass off. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was because, you know, look, and I'm not blowing sunshine up your dry running pants as opposed to mine, but you worked your tail off to get to where you were. And I don't want to disparage your athleticism, but... You were not, God did not give you the same gifts he gave Kobe Bryant. Fair? Yeah, I guess. Okay. So, 
you you took the work ethic and maxed out your gifts. Now there have probably been guys that you've played with during your career that were more gifted than you, but nowhere near had the work ethic of you, and they didn't last as long. In Kobe's case, he took all that greatness that he'd been given and had the style of work ethic of an undrafted free agent who continued to pursue being the maximum of what he had. He just had a higher max than most guys. Yeah, that's that's what makes sports so special, though, right, is, is you can do it all different kinds of ways. You can be uh, just tremendous, tremendously gifted and, and come out like that. You can have uh, a great work ethic and, and come out like that. And I, I think when we look at the special guys, the, the the really special ones, the household names, the ones that stick, they're the guys that have both. They're the right. guys that don't take it for granted because there are so many that take those skills for granted. We, I talk about Kobe being compared to Michael Jordan, another thing, and, and it was such a great comparison. And we didn't, at the time, we just compared, you're comparing a 18-year-old rookie to greatness, to right. absolute greatness, but what people were really doing at the time was they were comparing a set of skills and a work ethic. That's it. Right. And they could see those set of skills and that work ethic would combine to be something of greatness. And that's what Michael Jordan was. That's what Kobe Bryant was. And that's why they made the comparison. And that's why certain guys are household names, because they have both of those attributes. So coverage of his death and the helicopter crash, I didn't end up watching the Pro Bowl either. And quite frankly... I wanted to watch it because I wanted to see the one thing that I wanted to see was not Devontae Adams catch two touchdowns. I know what it's going to be. I know what it's going to be. I wanted to see what would happen after scores and whether or not teams would take advantage of the rules that they were changing to eliminate the kickoff. And what was it? You had to to convert a fourth and 11? I think it was fourth and 15. Okay. It? It It was fourth and something. Yeah. And I ended up not watching, and that was the one thing I wanted to see because, as you know, having been on kickoff return teams Mm -hmm. and kickoff coverage teams, um, you're on the kickoff coverage team. Mm -hmm. Um, They are trying to get that play out of the game. They clearly are looking for ways to take the kickoff out of the game entirely, and where they experiment are in preseason and in the Pro Bowl, and they experimented with it in the Pro Bowl. I don't know how many times teams took the fourth and whatever to try and they, they did it one ball. time and they kind of just chucked one down the sideline and it got picked off so it wasn't a great start for the fourth but in the pro bowl you don't you don't have a game plan for fourth and 15 right. really you know i can tell you right now if they make that rule change in the nfl fourth and 15 will have four or five different plays on each play card that these coaches love against the other team's defense. Because you can game plan 4th and 15 for, let's say, a 20% success rate. You just can because you, you know what team's defenses they run right. and, and their tendencies, and especially 4th and long. So it, it'll it, it'll get interesting. And I, I kind of like the idea, and I never thought I would because I'm a, I'm a football purist. I like football physical. I like football violent. I don't like getting rid of special teams. But... But I kind of like this because especially if you're going to keep the kickoff where these guys got to stay two yards behind the line of scrimmage and can't start until the ball gets kicked, I, I like it. I, I think it, I think it's going to make it more entertaining and a lot more exciting down the stretch. It's almost like being on the uh, the old 
recess field where you'll be this afternoon scoring a touchdown and it's make it take it you got to stop us right and and i'll smell like coffee so you you played so much special teams in your career though that i thought that you would fall under the category of look they've made these changes to kickoffs to at least reduce the danger not eliminate it you're never going to be able to eliminate it but getting rid of the wedge not being able to get the running start that the coverage team used to get i mean they basically tried to make it more punt like in terms of the velocity of the crashes also giving you the extra five yards for touchbacks encouraging teams to take more touchbacks because we saw during the first half of the packer season you know we joked about how they were negative yardage and punt returns but they like they just weren't returning kickoffs yeah. ever, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I, I guess I, my question for you would be, I was under the impression that they had made enough alterations to the kickoff where I thought they were kind of in a good place, where it wasn't perfect, but it was certainly a lot less violent collisions, a lot less potential major injuries, the head injuries. You know, Terrence Murphy, who was the wide receiver in 2005, who was injured in Carolina. I remember sitting there with a pit in my stomach, watching him leave the field on a gurney. Like, I, I felt like they had eliminated the, the odds of that happening fairly significantly. Do you think they need to go further, or do you think that we're going to end up eliminating the kickoff entirely? I think the kickoff is... A dead man walking. Uh, I think okay. it's, I think it's going to be gone here eventually. I think this year they're going to start with the onside kick. That'll be removed, and that's more removed uh, not because of safety, but because what they did to the onside kick right. in lieu of the kickoff made the onside kick very unrealistic. Right. Um, other than when the Saints let up three in one game, I think it was eight percent for the season, and it previously was like fifteen percent. So they want to strive for something more towards that nature, and I think that's why it's a fourth and fifteen that right. they want to go with. And I think once they do that, that's the first step. I think that'll be implemented this year in the preseason, and coaches will experiment, and coaches will like it. And I think when coaches like it, that's when it'll get implemented in the season. And it, it'll just be a domino effect for a few years until the kickoff is finally gone. Now, this hurts some guys. You know, this hurts the backup linebacker who is necessary on special right. teams. And, 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 and even it might even hurt kickers because now – who cares if you can put a ball in the end zone for a kickoff? You just got to make your field goals now and right. your extra points. So, and and Mason, cry, this hurts Mason's. This this hurts Mason a little bit getting rid of the onside kick because he was such a tremendous spike kicker. He he had he the best spike kicker I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. And to be he, how many surprise onside kicks has he gotten? Because he can put right. the ball in the air so that a guy can easily catch it. I just. You know, it's 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 unfortunate, but it's it's kind of the way that it's gone. It it wants they want the game to be safer, and it, it's not foolproof. But this is they want they want this play this this violent play out of the game. And I always said, hey, the the, the play is violent because of violent people. It, if you know the techniques to play on kickoff and kickoff return, it's no more dangerous than you know a passing play. But you get those. You get the guys out there with their hair on fire, and they want to put their head down and, and run through a brick wall because right. they're the fifty-third man or maybe the fifty-fourth man in the preseason, and they need to make a point. That's what they're going to do. 
Are there any, you know, we're coming up on the the scouting combine is in less than a month, and then the NFL meetings are less than a month after that. Isn't that something? We didn't even play the Super Bowl yet, and you're already talking about the events of the upcoming season. Well, just because it was, and you played for Sean uh, Payton in New Orleans, but we're, the, the NFL meetings are not that far away. I think they're in West Palm Beach this year. And last year at those NFL meetings was where Sean Payton politicked and got replay for pass interference after they got completely hosed in the postseason, right, with a Super Bowl berth on the line. Um, that obviously did not go the way the NFL probably wanted it to. They basically never overturned calls. Um that's where these rule changes occur. So we're not that far away, frankly, from if those rule changes are going to be discussed seriously, we're like less than two months away from it actually being a reality. You think that could? You, do you think it could happen this year? I think what's going to happen is they're going to implement it in the preseason, the onside kick. Okay, that is. I think they're going to implement the fourth and whatever thing. Yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll implement the fourth and whatever thing. Well, I, I hate I not think, having it accurate. I, I, I think they'll implement that for the preseason. I, I believe that'll be the case, and I believe when coaches take advantage of it in the preseason and you see it happening and they can game plan for it and they can set stuff. I think they're going to like that control a little bit more. Yeah. Defensive coordinators aren't going to like it, but the the head coaches they're going to like it because it's going to give them a fighting chance. I think they'll end up liking it enough so that it might get approved for that. We got one year, just like this year for the pass interference thing. We got one year to try it out, and I think right. that'll get announced at the end of the preseason. So I think it'll be, I think when we have these team meetings, it'll get announced that it's in the preseason. At the end of the preseason, it'll get announced that it's in the regular season. Oh wow! And then we'll, we're, we're, I believe this is going to be our onside kick for next year, which I'm excited about because the onside kick for this year was exhausting. Right, and you just never thought it was going to work, um, which is good if you were leading late in games, I suppose. Um, you mentioned the Super Bowl. That's coming up on Sunday. Um, as you look at this matchup, uh, you saw more than enough of, well, frankly, both of these both teams. teams. We played them both. Um, a little bit different team for Kansas City with Matt Moore, quarterback. Slightly. When we played, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, you got a good glimpse. What are your thoughts on each of these teams as they get ready to play on Sunday? I, I, I think this is going to be a tremendous game. I think so So often we get set up for the Super Bowl and we don't know what to expect. We expect this grand performance. And I, I, I to me, it's funny because you look at the last several Super Bowls, the 28-3 to comeback by the New England Patriots, some people said was the most unbelievable Super Bowl they have ever seen because it was a comeback, it was an overtime, and blah, 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 blah. Right. Greatest comeback in Super Bowl history and all this and that. I actually didn't like the game. Because I thought in the first half the Patriots played like crap, and I thought in the second half Atlanta played like right. crap. It wasn't like it was back and forth. Yeah, so to me, I didn't. I thought I watched two good halves by two different teams, and to me that wasn't a great game to watch. Agreed. Um, now, I, last year, when it was the Rams versus the Patriots 10-3 defensive snooze fest, I enjoyed that because I liked the X's and O's. I liked the back. I didn't court. like that one either. I liked how. I liked how. It was always within reach for both teams, and every single play was pivotal. More plays made by the defense than the offense until Tom Brady, you know, hit Gronkowski late. And so I have a, I have a different take, but I think this setup, I think this setup shoot it sets up for a back and forth, at times shootout, at times defense making plays. I mean, you can't 
you don't know what to predict in this one. That that's what's I would agree. You, you can't say you can't say for sure it's going to be a shootout, though you suspect it. And you can't say for sure either team's defense is going to show up, although you suspect it. Kansas City's is playing much better towards the end of the year yeah. against Jimmy Garoppolo. People still don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I guess don't. when you throw eight passes, that's you know they, they won't. It's believe a good in work him. if you can get it. And and Kansas City's defense, it, although better, it matches up very much like the Packers and the Vikings. Good scoring defense because they do good in the red zone and they have some turnovers, but gives up a bunch of yards. Right. Look at what Kyle Shanahan did against the Vikings and the Packers. I mean, you can't really look at either side and say, now I suspect that the 49ers defense is is going to be better than what and and we and and we think the 40 I think the 49ers defense is fantastic. But there's a lot of people out there that thinks Patrick Mahomes is just going to pick them apart because they run that same zone defense and he's just going to pick them apart with his super fast weapons and march down the field. I don't know, man. I, I just don't know because I watch that defense, and they can get pressure with four guys. They can attack with four guys. They have two really good linebackers, three really good linebackers now that uh, Quan's back and playing right. pretty well. It, it's like I just it's going to be a tremendous matchup. I think top to bottom I would give the edge to the 49ers, and I would do that just because I believe in their defense a little bit more than Kansas City's defense. And I think Kyle Shanahan will be able to match what Andy Reid can do with Patrick Mahomes. So when I look back on Super Bowls that I've watched or covered, and obviously you were in, you were on two Super Bowl winning teams. Um, I think I've covered five or six Super Bowls in my career. I covered the um, back and forth Carolina New England Super Bowl in Houston, where that, Janet Jackson's that uh, yeah. wardrobe malfunctioned, mm-hmm. um, and that was a you know game winning field goal at the end. Uh, I covered the back-and-forth Packers-Broncos Super Bowl with John Elway helicoptering, and and that was, at the time, considered the greatest Super Bowl because it was back-and-forth. Like, it was constantly... That's what you want to see. Right. So the 49ers played a game against one of your old teams, the Saints. That was, I believe, 48-45 this regular season. Or 52-49. But, yeah, it was, it was something ridiculous. Like so you, you enjoyed last year's Super Bowl. That makes one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, would you rather have last year's Super Bowl, or would you rather see the 49ers and Chiefs do what the 49ers and the Saints did in that regular season game at the Superdome? I, 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 which one would I rather see? Yeah. Hmm. I'd probably rather see the shootout because I really enjoyed that. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> I'd probably rather enjoy the shootout because that game that was supposed to be played in Mexico City between the Rams and the Chiefs two years ago. Wow, that, that was another game, fun game. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. But that that thing had some defensive touchdowns in it as well. So, You're right. So the offenses blew up, but the defenses made some big plays. Good point. As long, if the defense makes a couple plays, I can go for a shootout. It's 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 the Big 12 that I have a hard time watching, 65 right. to 55 with not one defensive stop. Right, the air raid uh, <laughs> offenses there. All right, so the Super Bowl, what do you do for the Super Bowl? What do you do now in, in retirement? Well... While I was playing, I, I normally just watched the Super I I've gone to very few Super Bowl parties. In fact, I've gone to more Super Bowl parties as the winning team than I've gone to actual Super Bowl parties Ooh. in my life. Uh, I've gone to, in, in 
since I started playing in the NFL, I've gone to one party as a fan, and I've gone to two actual Super Bowl parties after the game with the team. So Now save those party stories for after the Super Bowl, because I know you guys had, like, Kid Rock at the one. I had Kid Rock at both of them. See? Yeah. That's a tease for next week. <laughs> um, so, all right, so you're you're just going to stay home with uh, your family and watch it, or you you actually have plans? No, I don't have any plans yet, but I'm, I'm throwing the line out there. If anybody wants to throw me, I, I kind of feel like I need to do this Super Bowl thing. I need to fill out some blocks. Everybody's been... You know, talking about the blocks. Oh, yeah. I need to fill out some blocks and see what happens here. I want to, you know, but I want to watch the game. That's the thing to me about Super Bowl parties. I want to watch the game. It, sometimes I feel like Super Bowl parties are like New Year's Eve parties. Yeah. And you just show up and you're talking to people the whole time. And next thing you know, the ball drops. You miss the ball drop. And, and I don't like New Year's anyways, but that's a different story. <laughs> I just don't want to miss the game. And I don't want somebody's whoever talking to me while a big play is being made i can't hear what they're saying i can't tell so that's my that's my only fear about a super bowl party is i need, i just need to know uh the head count but i, I think like, if it gets above 10 or 12 i'm out i feel like there are always at a super bowl party guys like you and they like position themselves on the couch or in the chairs around the tv Everybody else is milling about the rest of the house, eating guacamole and talking about how good their white claw is. Is that how is. is that how it goes? Because if that I don't know, goes, I don't have those parties myself. <laughs> well, what do you do for this? Have you ever have you uh, ever gone to Super Bowl party? I, so I don't. Um, We're going to sound like the most boring podcast oh, totally. in the world yeah. if I just admit it. I only, I've only ever gone to one. Yeah, it ain't exactly barstool here on the John Coon <laughs> podcast. Um, I I don't. I always watch it, but like, you know, I live in a house of non-real football fans. Jason, if I have a party, will you come over? If I, if, if because of this, so show, can the, Paul and the girls come and play with your girls and hang out with Lindsay and whatever? Now we're doing that. Now I no, it. that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> if I can, yes. If it's, not, no, I'm not just, coming. You just said your family does not watch football. It's true, and you want to bring them to a Super Bowl yeah, party because they could be part of that group oh that's not watching. Um, I'll, I'll work out during it. You know, we have like the elliptical machine and the treadmill downstairs, so I'll work out and watch it. I'll uh, try and get some work done, you know, with the TV on. I do not, if the Packers aren't in it and I'm not covering it, I'm not watching it that closely, no. I'm not all in. Well, I think I'm going to have to make up for us this year. I'm going to have to either attend a party or have a party and, and, and make up do for Do it for the podcast, up, John. Podcast. I can't wait to hear more about your Super Bowl party. All right, so uh, it is an interesting matchup that we'll be eager to see. I'm curious one more thing before we uh, get out of here and I go back to cleaning up the office. Um, it's been two weeks since these teams played. You obviously have Super Bowl experience. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I, I think, you know, obviously this week has been different because a sports icon died and so much of the focus... But it has felt like there hasn't been Could as you much. Imagine hype. If, if it would have happened on Super Bowl Sunday, right? Ooh, that would have been that would have been unbelievable. And so here we're. I feel like there's been less hype now. Maybe that's because Kobe Bryant took over a significant part of the news cycle, but it doesn't feel like a hyped up Super Bowl. I don't know, man. I don't know. It, do you listen to Radio Row at all? I mean, it's, it's just you, morning, man. It's it's unbelievable. It, this thing, the the Super Bowl has turned into a weekly of it's a week event. Sure, and it is 
amazing to hear everybody doing everything that revolves around the Super Bowl. I, I mean, there's got to be, out of the 1,800 players in the league, 250 to 300 guys that have partnered with some sort of charity and some sort of sponsor to go down there and really, it's so covered now that they can all get their right. their message out about what they're doing. Um, yeah, I guess I guess there's more of that going on. People capitalizing on the name of the Super Bowl than actually truly talking about the game the and the setup. Right. So you tell me then. So so let's set it up. You tell me what's going to happen in the game. Uh, it's going to be a great game. It's going to oh, be very on. close. Don't, don't it's going to come like down that. to the end. No, no, no. Don't be like that. No, what I wanted to ask you, because you have Super Bowl experience, nobody cares what I think is going to happen. I think the Chiefs are going to win, by the way. Do you? I do. Let's I, think, I think it's going to be uh, the that crystallizing moment, much like your quarterback had. He was older at the mm-hmm. time. He was 27. But like that Aaron Rodgers moment... In your Super Bowl, in Super Bowl Forty Five, I think it's going to be that for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it very well might be, and I would be more than happy to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl totally because agree. I I really have a lot of respect for for that coach, and he was one of the coaches for me in in one of the Pro Bowls, and he really impressed me as a, as a person and a coach. Just he's just a heck of a nice guy, and so I would love to see him win a Super Bowl as well. Um, so yeah. I, I, I could see that happening. Okay. There but you I go. There's st- my big analysis. I still, I still think, I still think though, that San Francisco top to bottom. I still think it's a, for the most part, when you get to the Super Bowl, it's the best fifty-three. Yeah. And, you know, it's, sometimes that guy can carry you, but it's normally the best fifty-three or well, forty-five that that win the ball game. Well, we'll put a cup of coffee on it. Okay. And the winner tries not to spill it. Uh, That's how our podcast began today. There have been no more spills. You managed. You you had great beverage security, high and tight. Edgar Bennett taught me (laughs) back when I was playing. You don't you 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 don't let that thing go, and and the way you don't let it go is you keep your five points of pressure. And thirteen years, Jason, I lost one fumble. Um, that that is pretty impressive. I mean, I was a fullback. I only touched it. Yeah, well, once and, a game. And, and it's not like that fumble came in a crucial game. Uh, you, wow, that's that's really ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> You're rude. How rude. Uh, we'll end it there. I started it poorly, and I ended it poorly. This has been the 17th episode, a coffee-spilled episode of the John Kuhn Podcast. Thanks for listening.